Let's open the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's consider an incredible night that took place. 1500 B.C. approximately, just for round numbers. A night to remember. A night to be much observed. But fulfilled by a much greater night that took place 2,000 years ago. What an incredible night that brought the greatest nation on earth to its knees. And what a great deliverance for slaves that were held there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Apostle Paul tells us plainly that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Passover. I am not a types and shadows preacher, but when I'm told something this plainly, I can't avoid it. And so we'll step into it for just a few minutes. I am going to race through this event and show some of its practical connections by its picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and by its picture of the supper that we're about to partake in. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes, and we try at every observance to consider our Lord's death some way. The Passover event and its feast in Israel is probably the simplest and easiest Old Testament shadow of a New Testament event that there is in the Bible. We never want to forget the words of Exodus chapter 12 and verses 13, 23, and 27. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. I would have brought that song for us to sing, but it, it's so poorly written and so Arminian in its pitiful verses that uh, I couldn't bring it for you to sing. So those of us who grew up with the chorus will remember the chorus, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That word Passover, when we combine it and make it just one word as a noun, meaning a feast of the Jews, we want to pull it apart. I will pass over you. The death angels will leave us alone. Because God is going to send His angels who are the reapers, and they shall gather everything that defiles out of His kingdom and cast them into eternal torment. But they will be looking for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our names are found in the Lamb's book of life. The book of life of the Lamb slain. Slain. His blood was shed for us. We never want to forget the words, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. In the great day of judgment that's rapidly approaching, He will pass over us because of Jesus, the Lamb of God, shedding His blood for us. And we love this Old Testament picture of it because Paul tells us we may apply it to communion. The Passover is a shadow. The Bible tells us that the Old Testament ordinances were types and shadows and figures, patterns of things that are real. They were not real in their spiritual significance, they were only pictures of the spiritual reality. 
There were real lambs killed. There were real basins used to catch that lamb's blood. And there were real branches of hyssop used to put that blood around doorways. But the spiritual aspect of that event was just a shadow of what was coming. The Bible tells us that Old Testament ordinances were shadows and figures, and we do not presume on them to teach them unless the Bible tells us, because He's made us able ministers of the New Testament. The Bible says that Old Testament ordinances were elementary and rudimentary instruction. The better things are here now. That old schoolmaster didn't know very much, but all that old schoolmaster did was to drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the shadows and the ceremonies and rituals of the Old Testament, it should drive us to the fulfillment and completion of them all, which is the Lord Jesus dying for us. The Apostle Paul called those Old Testament ceremonies and ordinances beggarly, carnal, weak, worldly, in addition to elemental and rudimentary. Infatuation with Old Testament buildings, ceremonies, and sacrifices is another distracting fad of these times. Don't let it happen in this church. I don't care where I am, what happens to me. You young men, don't let it happen in this church. Don't get caught up in some fad for wanting to study the tabernacle of the Old Testament, thinking that in every shade of color and every little creation that there is some spiritual truth. Would I take you outside in the bright sun and show you my wife's shadow on the ground and say, I want to show you my wife? Let me show you the details of my wife. Let's look at this shadow now. Well, now that I look at it, there aren't any details. It's just a blob on the ground, so let me make them up for you. Because that's what preachers do when they they preach types and shadows. They make it up. You have no ability to call them in question so we don't do that here. Right. I'm, it's, it's sad what's going on today. The number of Christians that actually observe the Passover. Why in the world would you want to observe the Passover? The closest we ever got to such a thing was asking our brother Mark to go get us a lamb. Well, he came back with this horse. You know, I was, I was wanting some little ball of fuzz about this big around that looked like a kitten. And he... He brings back a small pony, but you know, lambs grow fast. And uh, Mark took it home and kept it up for a few days. And then the one who, please, the one who has a small conscience when it comes to the lives of creatures found that it was larger than he thought and could barely use that lamb. One Wednesday evening, for you folks that weren't members here then, we had a lamb tied out here so that all the children could see what a lamb was. Most of us have grown up without being near a sheep farm. If someone can find a sheep farm and will arrange for not to slaughter, if someone will arrange for us to see a sheep shearing, I will help make it happen. I will be there. Because I got to see some of those when I was a child. And when you see a sheep shearing, then when you read the Bible and it speaks of a lamb as dumb before her shears, you understand it. And they're precious little things. And when that dirty wool is all sheared off of them, the wool underneath is perfectly white. And if that shearer nipped them, that blood red shows on that white coat like you wouldn't believe. It is special. Oh, what happened? 
Okay, we don't preach types and shadows. <laughs> and the closest we ever get is going to a sheep shearing so that we can understand the Bible. But I'm not going to get up and preach for sheep shearing for several hours and tell stories about my childhood, just mentioning the fact that it was a prophet. 1 Corinthians 5 tells us in verse 7 that even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Why in the world would we want to celebrate the other Passover since we have Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb? Look at Luke 22 for another one from the New Testament. Luke chapter 22. Children, there was a tremendous event that took place 20, 3,500 years ago. In that night in Egypt, all the way to church this morning, my wife was asking me about the sovereign government of God that makes the choice of whether a child is born to an Egyptian family or born to an Israelite family. The children had nothing to do with the choice. The children have nothing to do with the choice of the families they're born in today. But what a difference. What a difference. How thankful the Israelite children should have been for their father putting blood around that door to save the firstborn and how terrible of a judgment it was upon Egypt for the wickedness of their rulers in defrauding the people of God of leaving the land of Egypt. Luke chapter 22 and verse 15. And Jesus is speaking here and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. This was the Lord's last Passover because he was going to fulfill it. I will not be observing this thing again because I'm about to fulfill it just a few hours later. The Passover is a fact. We have a single long chapter dedicated to the details of it in Exodus chapter 12. I gave you three chapters to read last night because by the time you have read the three chapters, you know just about everything there is to know about the Passover event the first night it was observed, and the Passover ordinance to be observed by all the generations of Israel thereafter until it was done away in the time of Reformation by the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling it. I hope that some of you found out why it says that there were 430 years that the children of Israel sojourned in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40. And I asked the question, how long was Israel in Egypt? 215 years, not 430. There was 430 year period from God making a covenant with Abraham to God leading Israel out of the land of Egypt. That poor nation was mistreated by those pharaohs that came after the one that Joseph knew. And the Bible tells us that. 
Their 215 years got progressively more difficult. They were afflicted by their Egyptian taskmasters because they feared the prosperity of the Jews and how fast they were growing as a group of people. Those Jews had cried to God for deliverance and were heard. God even heard their groans and their sighing. When you cannot verbalize, God can take care of the rest. In Malachi chapter 2, he speaks about women who are, who are in abusive marriages that their tears on his altar he sees. The Bible says in Psalm 56 and verse 8 that every tear that you've ever shed of any value he has in his bottle. Just remember that and be comforted by it. God sent nine plagues upon Pharaoh and Egypt which were ignored and rejected by God's decree. The death of the firstborn was plague number 10 and Exodus chapter 11 tells us that. Now in Exodus chapter 12, here's what it teaches us. Children, every father had to kill a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it in a bowl and take a branch of a tree and dip it in that blood and put it on the side posts and the lintel posts or the top post of every doorway in Israel. Then they were supposed to go inside, roast that lamb, complete in its entirety. We want all of Christ, not part of Him. Roast the entirety of that thing and partake of it with their shoes on and their staff in their hand and to eat it hurriedly and to have bitter herbs with it and unleavened bread. They weren't to give their bread time to rise because during that night, the death angel of God called the destroyer separate from God would go through the land of Egypt and Israel and look at every house. And if there, if the house did not have blood over its doorway, that death angel would go inside and it did not care how old or young the firstborn was, he would die in his bed that night because the death angel would kill him. Ezekiel chapter 9 tells us that God's destroying angels have weapons of slaughter. David saw an angel of destruction, the angel of the Lord standing over Jerusalem with a drawn sword and 70,000 men died. One angel of the Lord was unleashed on the camp of the Assyrians and 185,000 battle-tested soldiers of the Assyrian Empire were corpses in the morning. Children, 3,500 years ago, every father took his children, killed a lamb that they had kept up for four days, from the tenth day of the first month of their calendar to the fourth day, cut its throat, bled it out, put it in a bowl, put that blood over the doorway, they shut the door, and they were not to go out of that house again. They were to stay inside, and the death angel of God went through the camp of Israel. But their houses were not visited by death because they had blood over the door, and God had said, when I see the blood, I will withhold the destroyer from killing in that house. But that death angel went through the whole land of Egypt, the greatest nation on earth at that time, and killed the firstborn in every house, from Pharaoh's house down to the maid that ground, that ground at grinding wheels the grain for others, which is the lowest, meanest job that a woman could possibly have. And every woman should be thankful that she was born in America and not in Egypt, where women were used for such perverse activities rather than the easy lives that you enjoy. We're blessed. But that's another rabbit. At midnight, that death angel was unleashed on Egypt. And there was a cry that came up out of every household, from the rich and from the poor. 
from the masters and from the servants, from the house of Pharaoh all the way down to the house of those in the, dun- in the dungeon. Those that were in prison, it didn't matter where you were, if you had a family, the firstborn was going to be ripped out of that family. You say, that's just a terrible judgment. Do you know what those pharaohs had said? Every boy baby should be killed. Pharaoh had called the two midwives that delivered the Hebrew babies and said, kill every boy baby. I think it's perfectly fair and just and that two equals two and A equals A. Just from my little pitiful standpoint. But whether I could figure anything out like that or not doesn't matter. The God that we worship that's, in, that's recorded in the Bible and that the men of the people of God have always worshipped is perfect, right, just, and holy in all that he does. That's what Egyptians deserved. They begged for it. God had already given them nine plagues, and just a few plagues into that list, the magicians of Pharaoh had come to Pharaoh and said, we cannot match this. This is the finger of God. The finger of God is now in Egypt. You should listen. The princes of Egypt had come to Pharaoh and said, will you please let the people go? Don't you understand? that the nation is already ruined. Right. But he wouldn't. And Moses, if you read Exodus chapter 11, those are the words of Moses to Pharaoh. Moses told Pharaoh exactly what was going to happen that night. And he left in great anger because Pharaoh had pushed the God of heaven to this kind of judgment. But now the God of heaven had known this from the beginning and had promised it. A lamb was, follow with me. If you're gonna, if you want to look at the Word of God, it's Exodus chapter 12, and I am going to go very fast, and I'm just gonna state the obvious from these verses in Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. Let's just get the facts down of what took place that night. You know, Paul and I used to sit on each side of my father, and he would tell us this story. And as little boys, I guess it probably bothered me a little more than Paul. Anybody understand that? I'm 14 months older than my brother. There were probably times that he enjoyed hearing the story of thinking about his older brother being taken out. But nonetheless, it was a night to be much observed. And do you know what it says in there? Your son is going to ask you from here on out. Your sons are going to ask Dad, why are we doing this? And you are supposed to tell them there was a night that we were delivered out of Egypt and this is what happened. It was very real. And here, you know, here we are 3,500 years later, but I got to hear that Bible story as a child and I hope that all the children in here know about this event and will follow along with me. A lamb was chosen for each household according to their eating on the 10th of the month. Verse 3. I'm just going to go right through this. Chapter quickly, if the house was too small to eat a whole lamb, then they could share it with another family. The lamb had to be perfect, without any defects. It had to be a male. It had to be a year or less old. Now we're up to verse 6. The lamb was separated from the rest of the flock on the 10th and kept up by the family to the 14th of the month. Then it was killed in the evening. That's verse 6. The blood was to be struck on the side posts and cross posts of the door where they ate it. The lamb had to be eaten that night, roasted with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The bitter herbs were for the the bitterness of serving the Egyptians. That's verse 8. 
Now verse 9. The lamb could not be eaten rare or boiled in water, but roasted with fire in its entirety. The pertinence or all of its parts, inside and outside. It was all eaten or burned that night, and anything remaining was burned in the morning. We're up to verse 11. It was to be eaten in a hurry, dressed and prepared to move out, girdle, shoes, and staff in place. God would pass through the land of Egypt to kill the firstborn of man, beast, and ruler. Even the gods of Egypt. Who are the gods of Egypt? The rulers and princes of Egypt. Verse 13, God said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, which is why it is called the Passover. God would pass over the house where he saw the blood and would not kill the firstborn. Moses told the elders of Israel to do as God had commanded and kill the Passover lamb. This is verse 21. I will be back to the other verses. They were to take hyssop and apply blood round their door from a basin, and they were to stay inside that house. Verse 22. The Lord would check the doors of Israel and not enter where blood was round the door. Now up to verse 29. The Lord entered Egypt at midnight, killing a firstborn in each family, man and beast. The whole nation of Egypt rose up in the middle of the night in anguish of a dead person in every house. Verse 30. Pharaoh finally gave unconditional permission for the Israelites to freely leave Egypt. He told them to take everything with them, and he asked for a blessing from them. Fearing they would all be dead soon if things continued, the people urged the Israelites to leave. That's verse 33. Now 34. Since they were in a hurry with slow yeast, they took unleavened bread and their tools, and they plundered the nation by borrowing much of the Egyptians in verse 35. God moved the Egyptians to generously give them whatever they requested. A mixed multitude went with them. Those weren't Israelites by biological connection, which were Egyptians and other strangers that wanted to be part of the people that worshipped the God of Israel. Verse 39, In order to eat, they baked unleavened cakes from their dough, for they had no victuals. And so we run through Exodus 12 very fast about the event that night. Now, let me run through some verses in the same chapter that tell us about the feast that the Lord set up. And I hope you enjoyed reading these three chapters last night. You know, when I get to verse 42 of chapter 12, and it says, It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. It brought to mind a movie. A 1958 movie, the year after I was born, about the sinking of the Titanic, and it's called A Night to Remember. Oh, come on. It was a night to remember, but not in comparison to the two nights that we're considering. This night in Egypt brought them to their knees. The Titanic sinking didn't bring the United States or the United Kingdom or England to their knees at all. Okay, beginning at verse 14. The Lord ordained a perpetual feast for Israel to remember this fantastic event. The feast was for seven days. Only unleavened bread was allowed and death was applied to anyone that didn't keep the rules. Now verse 16. The feast was to begin with the Sabbath day on the 15th of the month Abib and end with the Sabbath on the 21st day. No work done. It is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread because they ate unleavened bread for the duration. It is called the Passover 
They are synonyms. They are known by the same name. We recently distributed some tapes, some videotapes among several of you by Sam Gipp, or he was the main performer defending the King James Bible. And in the last video, Sam Gipp goes off and gets all confused about why the word Easter was used in Acts chapter 12 and verse 4 and gets all confused about what the Passover is and what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is. They are synonyms. The Passover feast was seven days long. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was seven days long. Only if by very careful context you are identifying the Passover supper, may you limit the word Passover to the killing of the lamb. Otherwise, the word is describing the the first of the three feasts of Israel. There's notes attached to the end of the outline for today's sermon on that point. It's confusion because people want to make more out of Acts 12.4 than is there. The Bible tells us very plainly by the Holy Spirit putting in quotation marks that the issue at stake was the seven-day Passover or Feast of Unleavened Bread. There was nothing else at stake. Back to verse 18. The feast ran from the evening of the 14th when that lamb was killed to the evening of the 21st, a total of seven days. Any violation of the Levin commandment brought death regardless of their origin. Whoever would do it was worthy of death. Verse 20, unleavened bread was to be the main staple. There was not to be anything leavened. The the leaven in the Bible is yeast, and yeast is a picture of sin. And there was to be no leaven. And in this case, there was no leaven because there wasn't time for the bread to rise, and he wanted to show the haste with which they left Egypt. Verse 25. Verse 24. There was, this was a perpetual ordinance to be kept by successive generations in Israel forever. Next verse. Even when they came to Canaan, they were to continue to keep this ordained feast. God knew such a feast would trigger children to ask of its meaning and importance. They were to tell successive generations of God's great deliverance of their children. We're at verse 28. The people did exactly as Moses and Aaron had commanded them regarding it. Verse 40. From the time God made a covenant with Abram to this event was exactly 430 years. Verse 41. As God had promised Abram, the whole nation was delivered and went out of Egypt. It was a night to be remembered. It was a night to be perpetually observed annually. No stranger from the commonwealth of Israel was to partake of the Passover feast. Purchased slaves, bond servants, were circumcised so that they could partake of it. Just simple visitors, foreigners, or hired servants were not close enough to partake. That's verse 45. Verse 46, the lamb was eaten in one place. It was not carried abroad. Not a bone was to be broken. All the congregation was to keep it as a congregation. It was not kept by only a few. Verse 48, circumcision was the necessary condition because that was a sign of the covenant for strangers to be able to partake of it. There was no difference made after a man met the conditions, either Jew or Gentile. Verse 49, the nation of Israel instituted this annual feast and kept it according to Moses' laws. And that day, Passover day, the 14th of Abib, the first month of the Jewish calendar, Nisan in the second Listing of names of the Jewish calendar, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. 
all praise and glory to his name forever. Quickly, the Passover lamb shows the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, I've already shown you 1 Corinthians 5, 7 that said Christ our Passover, not the feast, Christ our Passover Lamb is sacrificed for us. Then I showed you Luke 22. So the Passover Lamb was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Lamb... That innocent little lamb that hadn't done anything to deserve its death had its throat cut, its blood let out, and the blood put over the door to save a son inside that house so that he would not have to die. The father is the one that applied the blood over the door to protect his son. The picture of salvation is magnificent. The picture of election is magnificent. The lamb had to be without blemish, How many verses could we run in the New Testament? Would you run to Pilate's words, I find no fault in him. Or would you run to 1 Peter chapter 1, as of speaking of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish. The Apostle Peter pulls the two together for us. The lamb had to be male, true of Mary's firstborn son. The lamb was young, still in its first year, and Jesus was very early in his life when he was cut off at the age of 33. The lamb could not have any bones broken, which was very true of Jesus. John chapter 19 and verse 36 tells us that not a bone of him was broken because when the Roman soldiers came around to hasten their death so they could get them down from the cross and bury them, Jesus was already dead testified to by his enemies. The Lamb's blood was shed for another, though it had done no wrong. The same with our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lamb died in the 14th, and so did our Lord Jesus. The Lamb was killed in the late afternoon when he died. So was our Lord Jesus. And so forth. The Lamb had to be killed in Jerusalem. If you go through the rest of the Old Testament, you'll find that the Passover could not be kept in any of the other gates of Israel. No other city could you kill the lamb. You had to go to the place where God had put his name, and that place was Jerusalem. You know, the Passover death, the death of that destroyer going through Egypt, is taught in many other places that God judges sin severely. The wages of sin is death. The Passover deliverance shows salvation. The salvation of the firstborn was by the substitutionary death of another. Death occurred in every house in Israel and Egypt. But there was a substitute that died for every firstborn in Israel. Death occurs. There's no double jeopardy for you going to hell and experiencing the second death because Jesus has already died and taken the wrath of God. Salvation was by God's choice. God made a difference by telling Israel how to put the blood over their doors and not telling Egypt. And he made such a difference that night, and Moses told Pharaoh, this is how big of a difference the Lord God Jehovah is going to make. Not a dog will bark against man or beast in all of Israel. But you're going to be screaming from every house when your firstborn are killed. 
That is a huge difference. Salvation was unconditional on the part of the firstborn. As blood was applied by another, his father. They had to stay in their houses until morning. And we better continue in the faith to the eternal day. There is no other one in which to trust but the one who's put his blood over us. Israel was delivered from bondage in Egypt. We are delivered from sin and death. For God to pass over a house required him seeing blood. And blood is part of the New Testament, which we observe in just a few minutes. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. God bought, these are Bible words from the Old Testament, God bought, purchased, redeemed, and ransomed Israel from Egypt. So God has bought, purchased, redeemed, and ransomed us from sin and death. First fruits. If you go and keep reading past Exodus 13, you'll find out on the first day of the week, first fruits were offered of that harvest, and Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself alive to his apostles on the first day of the week as the first fruits of them that slept. Now, the Passover supper shows the Lord's Supper. The Passover feast was established by an ordinance. And our feast is a divine ordinance also. Look over at 1 Corinthians 11 with me. What an ordinance we have. That is a ceremonial practice and ritual instituted by God's order. Verse 2 of this chapter says, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. So Paul delivered ordinances from God to the city of Corinth in Achaia, Greece, for them to keep. Verse 23, here's how he got the Lord's Supper since he wasn't at the Last Supper. He was a persecutor of Christians until his conversion on the road to Damascus. Verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Verse 2 said, I delivered you ordinances. Well, how did Paul get the ordinance to deliver to Corinth about the Lord's Supper? Because Jesus taught it to him personally. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the, same, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and he goes on and describes the Lord's Supper. What we're doing is looking at how the Passover Supper gave us a picture of the Lord's Supper. We've already seen that the Passover Supper gives us a picture of Jesus because He's the Lamb. The Passover death is very scriptural. The Passover deliverance shows salvation. Let's see the Lord's Supper a little bit from that ordinance of the Old Testament. The Passover feast was a memorial ordinance of a past event. We are remembering a past event until the Lord comes, as He taught us. Jesus Christ observed the Passover, and the Last Supper came out of the Passover. Strangers could not partake of it without conditions. As such, we have conditions of baptism and membership in the New Testament church in order to partake. Violations of rules would cost you your place in Israel, just as in the church. If you don't keep the rules of the 
of the one that owns this table and owns this supper, then you are put out from it. The bread was and is unleavened due to their haste, but for us to show the absence of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a night to be much observed and remembered, just as the Lord's Supper is to remember His death till He comes for us. We practice closed communion, and the Passover was closed to only covenant members. The whole assembly of the church, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, kept the Passover, and we gather the whole church together to keep the Lord's Supper. Because it says here in 1 Corinthians 11, when ye are all come together in one place. Verse 20, when ye come together therefore into one place. When ye come together therefore into one place. The whole assembly of Israel killed the Passover at the same time on the same night. So there's a similarity there. The whole assembly of the church kept it, and we gather the whole church. We don't just have some of them. We make an accounting for those that aren't with us. It was not carried abroad from where it was eaten, and we reject Rome carrying their host anywhere, as they do. It was done at one time, so we tarry one for another. The Bible wants us to eat at one time, not letting anyone get in line first because of the abuses that arose at the church at Corinth. So we tarry one for another. That means you're going to be handed bread and you hold it until we all eat it together. You're going to be handed a cup and you're going to hold it until we all eat together. And they did it all at one time. Brethren, let us rejoice that we have a type and shadow that we are told to use. And that we're able to go back and read Exodus chapters 11 through 13 and see in it our Lord's Supper, see in it our Lord, see in it our salvation, and see in it the death angels that will soon be unleashed on the entire human race, alive and dead, gathered together before the judgment seat of Almighty God. And what we could not tell the difference down here between wheat and tares, they will know full well whose name is in the book of life, and they will sever every wicked person from among the righteous, and they'll be cast into hell by the angels. Jesus taught this twice in Matthew chapter 13. And those death angels will not touch us because our names will be found in the Lamb's book of life. Let us never forget the words, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When we stand before God, He will see the blood because our names will be written in the Lamb's book of life, slain. Remember in Revelation chapter 5, when Jesus arrived in heaven and John saw Him, His appearance was as of a lamb slain. That is a bloody lamb. The blood's been shed for us. Our names are put in His book. He He was able to take that book out of the hand of God on the throne. New songs burst forth in heaven by three different choirs because that blood had been shed, the work of redemption had been finished, and all the benefits of the everlasting covenant are ours, and our names are washed in His blood by being in the book of life. In the great day that's coming, He's going to pass over us because He's going to see the blood of His only begotten Son. For 1,500 years, little Jewish boys grew up to medium-sized Jewish boys to Jewish men that had boys of their own and they kept the Passover for 1,500 years. Always looking forward. Always looking forward without even knowing what they were looking for 
for the most part because they were still looking back. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ said, this is the last Passover I will eat with you until it's fulfilled. And He fulfilled it within 24 hours. And He instituted what we do today, which has been practiced for 2,000 years consistently by bodies of believers, some in catacombs under the city of Rome, some in the Bohemian forests of Eastern Europe, some in the mountainous regions of Wales. But for 2,000 years, millions have gathered together in small assemblies, tarrying one for another, breaking unleavened bread, and having a cup of wine to remember the broken body and shed blood of the Lamb of God, the real Lamb. 1,500 years, little lambs that were merely shadows. The one Lamb forever has put forth His blood, and He took it into heaven through the eternal Spirit and was accepted there. And when God sees us, He will see the blood of His Son. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What a Passover we get to observe right now. May the Lord bless his word to all of us to remember the type and the shadow, but more importantly, to embrace the reality that is in Jesus Christ.